follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Find us at Toddcast Podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time and joining us here in Vancouver, Canada, the Toddcast Podcast. Thanks, Todd, for having me, bro. Heard yeah, so man. much about you, our mutual friend, Amanda Sellers, who's a rock star. That's um, right. Yeah, we were talking before plus pressing the record here that, you know, we go, I mean, I go way back with her through the, the radio station I worked at and the indie director and stuff. So I've known her as like, you know, initially as she was a, a like a the front person of a rock band here in Vancouver who's then subsequently gone to do some big, big things in voiceover. She's right. she's the girl you hear on my right. podcast in between right. the songs and, and all that. Amanda's like, I feel super, super fortunate to be part of. You, know, you have a rock star on your show. You have a rock star that does voiceovers for you because, you know, she's on a lot of big things. A lot of big things that I didn't know were her voice until I would see her post these things on her, you know, social media. And I was wait, I've seen that commercial or wait, I've heard that. And oh, wait, I remember that. Or wait, I oh, see it every day. You know, yeah, you have yeah. a star uh, voiceover in your podcast, bro. Yeah, totally, man. And so you guys know each other through like a radio show? Yes, BYLR Radio. Actually, um, radio for me, man, goes back to the early 90s. Actually, I started out, um, you know, the early years of hip hop, um, in New York City, radio wasn't playing hip hop 24-7, you know, like it does now. Now we see hip hop just, you know, globally. Uh, it was just only playing at nighttime in New York City. But the first radio station to start playing it 24-7 was a radio station known as, uh, well, Hot 97. Everyone still knows it's, you know, a uh, hip hop radio station, an urban station. I was on the... First morning show on that station as a DJ uh, with Ed Lover, legendary Ed Lover and Dr. Dre, who kind of like really helped start that radio station, get some legs in the hip hop world. So that's where my radio career started and pretty much did all of New York City radio station with those guys as well. And then when the pandemic started, you know, Todd, uh, Jesse Itzler decided to start a radio station of his own. You know, everyone was inside. Everyone was doing a bunch of things on the internet. They were doing a bunch of podcasts and just a bunch of YouTube conversations. We yeah. were getting to know each other. A lot of people got to know each other actually during the pandemic. Yeah, that's I when I right, and that's when I met Amanda Sellers because um, they start the radio show. They start a morning show on BYLR Radio. That's the name of the radio station. It's called BYLR Radio, mm -hmm. and we had like an eclectic group. I'm from New York. Uh, we had another young man. Okay, so I'm in my 50s, young 50s. We have another young man that is young 20s from New York. Amanda, who is middle-aged from Canada. We had another young lady that's a millennial from um, Atlanta. We had another gentleman that was actually born from the uh, Caribbean islands. I mean, it was a motley crew, bro. And it was fun. I got a chance. I met all those people for the first time, Todd. Right through the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Man, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that something? Like that's crazy, yeah. right? Like the the how how the world has changed. Like now the to the like you can literally as like I've been doing this podcast now for you know this is my ninth year. Yeah. For the first few years, it was hard to get people to agree to do video. Like I don't right. know, you know, like I'll do audio, man. I fuck the video. Like I don't want to do video. But now it's like. Yeah, it's commonplace. It's like, yeah, man, we'll jump on a Zoom. We'll quickly bank something off, and it's 
no fuss, no muss. It doesn't matter where you are. It's very easy now. Right, 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 right. And um, for me, meeting the people that I met, it's changed my life because during the pandemic, I actually moved down here to Atlanta where I am right now, continue to do what I'm doing right now. It opened up my world to do this right here. And it's actually good for me where I'm at in my life right now, going on a road the way I was on a road before throughout my twenties and thirties and most of my forties doing this, educating people, giving my experiences and um, pretty much just trying to give wisdom from my point of view to others about life and being in the music business. This is where I want to be. Yeah. And it's a young man's game too. Like going back to your saying, you know, the, you know, DJing for arrested development and Dougie fresh and doing some stuff with salt and pepper and right. freedom Williams and all that. Like you're still in the game. You're just not in the game in the same sense of the word. Correct. 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 Um, even like you just said, uh, working for all those people from home for, well, for Dougie fresh, I'm pretty much still out there on the road with him, uh, for Dougie fresh. So he has touring DJs. Dougie fresh is probably the first hip hop, um, artist to have multiple DJs. You know, he has two DJs that girls on the road with him when he does the show with the get fresh crew himself and slick Rick. And when he does parties where he's hosting and it's like a, three or four hour type of thing. I've been the guy um, with him um, pretty much. Uh, and the same thing with, you know, salt and pepper uh, again, like you just said, arrest development. I would, you know, go out there with speech when he would slim his show down and he would get the entire band. I would be the DJ uh, to pretty much fill that in for the band, you know, freedom That's Williams as well awesome. with the music factory as well. Yeah. When he just go on the road with the band, he would bring me as a DJ as well. Salt and Pepper is a totally different story. My musical involvement with those ladies is <laughs> is much bigger than as just as a DJ. And I just love going out there, filling in for Spinderella as a DJ. But um, yeah, my involvement with Salt and Pepper was um something totally different than the rest of the of the artists. That was more touring. But like you said, it's a young man's game. Big time, big time. And and uh, mentioning before we we're pressing play record, we were kind of talking a little bit about you know how both of us. Music's been just kind of a constant. It's been a, it's been in our lives literally. Right. Like I can't remember a time when it really wasn't. So and and I think I started to press you a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, are we recording?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, let's let's record something." Because I want to get like your first. And this is like I don't even know if I can you know think about it really. But like, what are some of the first early music memories for you? You know, I ask that question to a lot of people when I even when even when I talk to them online, I ask them, "What's your first musical memory?" Yeah. Mine's Todd is one out of two. It's either listening to Buddy Rich, who is a legendary jazz drummer, big drummer, band crusher, yeah. Or the first time I heard Kiss. Um, I'm not sure which one was the first. Which one came first? Yeah, was it Kiss or was it Buddy Rich? So, my introduction to music was definitely jazz, big band, and hard rock. Interesting, because I I, I, I would think that probably <laughs> my 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 memories probably include Kiss as well, and it was probably like, uh oh, what the hell was that album doing? Another podcast. House? Why are those girls naked on the cover looking like they're idolizing these characters that are all in makeup and everything? It's either that or do you remember um 
I just remember driving around as a little kid in Vancouver and, you know, like driving to the hockey Vancouver Canucks games or just driving around or whatever in my mom's Mustang. And, uh, do you remember the Eddie rabbit song? I love a rainy night. I love a rainy night. I love to hear the thunder. Watch the lightning. Anyway, I remember that specifically that song and my mom just cranking it in her Mustang. I don't know if that's my first musical memory, but it's gotta be one of them, man. And did you fall in love with music then immediately? Yeah, Yeah. It was like, you know, it was all over. Like for, for us, it was, you know, it was the Eagles and it was, you know, uh, Dolly Parton, but okay. it was like little river band and it was black Sabbath and, and some Zeppelin and right. Genesis. And it was all right. over the map, but I loved it all. It, it, for me, it's like a good song is a good song. I'm not, you know, I, I'm known in Vancouver as a rock guy, but I'm not a music snob at all. Like if it's a good song, it's a good song. So now here we go. So it goes from being introduced to heavy metal, heart slash hard rock, and big band jazz, not bebop, not Max Roach and Art Bleakey and you know, and and John Coltrane those guys, big band jazz. Um, it went from there, and still having that in my repertoire to now hip hop is being introduced to the world. You know, in New York, you're living in New York too, right? Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, and like now I've had on, I've had on Run for Run DMC, and you know, his stories of back in the day in in New York City, man, like it's pretty incredible. It was like the melting pot. It was where everything yeah. was happening. Is the Studio Fifty Four is New York? Yeah, dude. You know, so now hip hop is being introduced and being actually like experimented with. You know, not just introduce, experiment it with and being figured out during this time. So, of course, as you said, I'm there for it and I'm watching it. I'm young in those guys, so I'm not participating. I'm literally watching it. This is interesting. Okay, yeah. so put that on the same table. On that same table, now my dad puts me in Juilliard School of Music. <laughs> okay. Now right. I'm studying Dvorak. Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, Rachma. I'm studying all these guys, Brahms, everyone, Chopin. And all of that together was happening at the same time. All my teenage years, all of that was going on at the same time. Not as, you know, like, well, then I did this and then I did that. Then I did this. No, that was happening all together. That's crazy. So who were the first bands to really grab a hold of you then? Well, like I said, Kiss and Buddy yeah. Rich was the first ones that I remember. And, you know, then again, you know, heavy metal, I went into the, I dove deep into heavy metal at the time. So, of course, the mighty Van Halen, you know, yeah. of course, like, like you just mentioned, Black Sabbath. So Ozzy Osbourne for me, you know, early Randy Rose days, going to Jakey Lee. Um, I kind of like checked out after like the Ultimate Sin album, um, Motley Crue. And, you know, during this time, like I'm saying to you, Todd, I'm going to all these concerts. I'm going to all of these concerts. Yeah. And as and as weird as it sounds, yes, I was the only black guy in those concerts. Bro, we, as you know, we're talking late oh, yeah. 70s, early, mid 80s, man. Yeah. This is not 2023. You know, this is a different time. Totally. Okay, so yeah. how about this one, Todd? So I went and saw, now you're a Kiss guy. I went to the 
uh, Dynasty Tour, um, which is like a 79 tour. I'm nine years old. My dad oh. took me to the show uh, at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And I'm too young to know the looks and certain things that would be – I'm too young for that. you know. But later on in life – I mean when I say later, much later in life – having a, a conversation with him, I, you know, realized, wow, not only did we go through that or you experienced that, but you knew you're going to experience that by taking me there your Sunday. Yeah. You get my point? Yeah. My parents come from the South, bro, you know, and they were raised in the Jim Crow era. So he knew being a grown man that, well, hey, you know, this is a different environment that I'm taking my son in and, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to face this. But then again, he's faced that his entire life growing up in the South in a Jim Crow era. So it was nothing new. But for me, it was an experience that I didn't know what I was experiencing at that time. But later on growing up, I did start to feel, uh, wow, I don't see anyone that looks like me. you know. And then I got introduced to bands like in the same you know genre as hard uh, rock as like Bad Brains, Living Color, 24-7 Spies, and later on, Lenny Kravitz. Uh, and, you know, Jimi Hendrix was a, a big influence as well. He came later as, as well, you know, later in my teens. Sad to say, you know, I'm It took some time, though, to find, the, you know, the classics, right? You're not always introduced to everything all at once, right? It took me forever to get to the Beatles. I was always... So when did you get to the Beatles? How old were you? Uh, probably my 20, early 20s. Okay. Turning 50 this year. So, you know, it was a good chunk of my life ago. But, uh, you know, for a long, long, long time, I would have said uh, Zeppelin's the best band of all time. Right. Probably say Beatles now. You know, one, one of the two. When I was doing the radio show with Amanda, there was a, uh, I did a segment on the Beatles and forgot there was a time the Beatles were so popular now we have social media we have this thing right here and everyone goes on this thing to find out the latest whatever and you could do it within seconds literally seconds something happens boom now watch this so you said you're a Beatles fan or you discovered them later on yeah. do you remember now the Beatles I forgot which show it was but they were on a television show where everyone from around the world had tuned into this. I think it was the was it the Merv Griffin show. Uh, I think it was the Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan. Everyone, it's like millions of of televisions had tuned in to watch the Beatles on this particular night. Now, watch this. See, the thing is, back then, Todd, you have to think there was only one television set in the entire house, most likely. Right, with like the average. Channels. Maybe correct with yeah. the average person, and here's the thing: you had to agree as a family on what we are all watching tonight. You know, seven o'clock, we're all watching Donnie Mooners, or we're all watching I Love Lucy, or whatever it is. You get my point? Yeah. So it, the Beatles were so big that it seemed like everyone around the world was watching them during that time at yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Totally, a, like leave it, leave it to Beaver. We'll we'll watch it tomorrow night. The Beatles are on right now, and it didn't matter what age you were. You, you, you understand how how powerful that is? That's a yeah. big deal, man. That's Dude, it's not I mean, like social media. You have choices. We had yeah, choices too. They chose the Beatles. Yeah, 
Like name another band. Well, maybe Nirvana, but name another band since it's really, really rocked the world like that. Um, not just band moment. Beatlemania. Right. I mean, that moment was similar to something like a COVID where everyone's looking at one thing. You get my point at the same time. Yeah. Looking at one thing and focusing. I don't know. I don't think Michael Jackson and you and I come from the era where when Michael Jackson would have a new video, it would make the news and everyone would go home that night and watch. Oh, wow. Thriller. The debut of Thriller is coming on tonight. Oh, the debut of Billie Jean is coming on tonight. I remember that. Like, let's watch the whole eight, nine, 12 minute, whatever it was, video of Michael Jackson. And it was like everybody was going to do it that day. Right. The debut of Thriller. Everyone knew it was coming on at 6 or 6.30, wherever you were yeah. and whatnot. And like you just said, everyone sat home to watch the debut of Thriller right. and then spoke about it. And we didn't have this. We spoke about it as families. And the next day, if you were in school, you went to your school and spoke about it with your peers. Right. Yeah. Or maybe you got on your bike and you rode over to your buddy's place to shoot the shit about it. Oh, they're not home. I'll go to the next guy's. You know, oh, that's like buying like- a new album. <laughs> That's like buying a new album, Todd. Yeah, man. And before you put it on at your house, like you said, you get on your bike and you go to your buddy's house to listen to it for the first time. Yeah, what a time. Okay. Dude, I think I think we personally, like you're a few years older than me. You're my brother's age, it sounds like. Too. I, I think that, uh, yeah, so you're my brother's age. So I think that we grew up in the perfect time because we understand that world. We know the world of no internet, no cell phones. You know, gathering with your friends and making these jumps that you shouldn't be jumping on your bikes on your, you know, whatever, and like right. come home when the when the lights come on the, and that's right. it. Like, be within shouting distance if your parents are calling or whatever. And like, we lived outside, drinking from the water hose outside, drinking from the water hose exactly. Yeah, Throwing, drinking from the water, water fountain in together. school. Yeah, they still have water fountains in schools and public I think schools. They do. Yeah, I think they still have water fountains, but. No one's complained, Todd. And I, said, well, hey, eventually, listen, I'm sure they will. I have to go and find a water fountain somewhere. I know, right? Well, it's elementary schools, and you'll find them. Right, right. Was was that Kiss show that with your dad, the Dynasty tour? Was that your first concert then? Okay, now that's another interesting as well. I don't know if that was my first concert or seeing Buddy Rich was my first concert as well. Because I saw Buddy Rich very, 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 very young as well. I grew up in Westbury. Well, we moved to Westbury from the Bronx, mm. uh, Long Island in New York. Um, and up the block from me, there was a place called Westbury Music Fair, a very famous place that artists would come. I mean, Tom Jones, Jackson 5, you know, back in the 70s. Yeah. Everyone would come there. And Buddy Rich came there. And my dad brought me backstage to meet him as well. Gave me a pair of his drumsticks. Todd, I don't know <laughs> if that was my first concert or if the Kiss Dynasty tour was my first concert. You still Remember, those, I was still in my single digit age. Yeah, so. little kid. Yeah. What, what did you do with those sticks? Please tell me you still have those Buddy Rich sticks. Next cu- question. <laughs> You're like, no, I Next wouldn't. caller. Do, do Ohio, you have, you're on. <laughs> do you have much in, in terms of that stuff? Like, do you have much memorabilia from over the years? Old shirts, uh, concert stubs, that kind of shit? Um, not from when I was a child, but um, 
I do. I started collecting, you know, when I became aware of what that stuff is. Um, yeah. Not collecting anything like that's worthy of anything, but I do have a pair of Tommy Lee drumsticks. Cool. From, I'll tell you, was it the last show? It was a very important show, though. I have a pair of, uh, one of my buddies, uh, he's a drum tech. And um, yeah, he actually he was like, hey, D-Man, I got a pair of Johnny, uh, Tommy Lee's drumsticks for you. I, you know, I did the show last night. Crazy. Yeah, I have a pair dude, of his sticks here. Dude, I got a star on my hand because uh, homage to Tommy. That's the same one. I, I'm, the reason I'm a drummer is Tommy Lee. Okay, so when did you start playing? Uh, late, probably uh, twenty. Okay, it, mid early twenties kind of thing. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't play enough to be very good, but I can certainly butcher a classic and you know smoke a joint and hang and have a couple beers with the boys right. and you know the good stuff about playing music. Right. right? So, who are your favorite rock drummers? Some of them. Uh, well, all the all the usual suspects, right? I mean, John Bonham's probably. You know, if not the best, uh, of course, I love Ringo Starr. I love uh, Dave Grohl's drumming. Um, I don't know. There's just so many great drummers. I mean, I love the Eagles. So Don Henley's got to be up there as well. And um, I don't know, man. Van Halen, you know, Alex Van Halen has a, he, you, you can tell when it's Alex Van Halen playing. There's a, there's a you taste. It's not, it's not a four, four. It's like. He's he does something player. different on a, on on the guitar solos. Yeah, it's always off timing, always off beat. Well, that's uh, what it is, right? It's like it's like it's that brother energy. It's like how long have those guys been playing together? And and like they're bound for success, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, Alex Van Halen. Okay, let me start out this way. Eddie Van Halen is such an incredible guitar player that it overshadows his brothers incredible drumming right right as good as alex is eddie's better guitarist and wasn't it reversed initially with that band i believe so i think so yeah, yeah. alex van halen is he's probably one he's my top three of of metal drummers hard rock drummers in general he's my top three yeah he's so good and so so how old were you then when you knew that you would be going down you know the music path to pay the bills and all that like was it early no it just happened bro really I didn't, yeah i didn't choose this as a career wow. yeah um so how did it just happen then yeah um well it's gonna it sound so like arrogant and pompous but it's, I, I, i'm trying to tell you Todd, it's like it yeah, happened yeah, yeah. Okay. tell it like it and, is and, and, right right so you know um me and some buddies from around my way, like I said, I grew up in hip hop, so I had a crew, you know, myself and some MCs and another buddy of mine, his name is Ozzy, um, uh, God rest the dead Ozzy, who kind of like is like very instrumental in a lot of people in the music business uh, lives. So he was connected to Dr. Dre, who was, like I said, on Hot 97 with Ed Lover. Uh, they had the morning show spot, which is a very, as you know, that's the most, most important spot on a radio. Sure. Um, he if you actually, don't have a good morning show, you, you don't have a good radio station in general because people aren't sticking around. It's the anchor. Yeah, it's the anchor for sure. He brought me in and I eventually started working with the crew. Um, and that was my introduction in general to radio, um, just in general. So 
that's my also introduction to being in the music business because that just led to other things. I was already a DJ, so being on a radio station, you kind of like have you know the ends to promoters and people that are doing parties, concerts, other artists that are coming in, you know, that you guys are interviewing. So that's my introduction to the music business, Hot 97. And of course, if you're on a number one radio show at that time, everything else is going to only follow and go uphill from there. Yeah. So that's my introduction to um, the music business. And that's when I decided, hey, well, this is going to be it. I was already a dad and somebody's coming in right now. <laughs> that's your dog's name. That's awesome. Kobe. Kobe. As in Kobe Bryant. Kobe. That's right. As in Kobe Bryant. And you know. Right. That's great. I've got a... Uh, got a golden retriever named sergeant really sergeant nice. puppers the beatles we, sergeant puppers sergeant puppers it's like sergeant peppers <laughs> wow how old is sergeant uh two and a half okay this yeah. guy is uh seven months now okay yeah seven months so that's my introduction you know pretty much to the music business and decide, yeah. well, this is it. This is what I'm going to be. And this is what I'm going to do. I was actually already a father. I was a father at, you know, I was a teenage dad at the age of 19. Oh, so really? it was at a perfect time for something like that to come, um, to, you know, for me to do music full time. Um, that's crazy. So you have a 33 year old kid. He's 33. He turned 33 January 31st, only a few weeks ago. So you're three years old. So check this out. So you're three years old. Do you have any other kids? No, that's my only child. Okay. But I have granddaughters. Okay. He has daughters. Okay. So you're three years older, and my oldest is 12. I have a 12 and a 10-year-old. Okay. I started late to the party. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I think I was, yeah, I, was almost, girls. Yeah, I was like 38, I think, when I had my first, 38, 39. Girl, boy. Both boys. Okay. 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 So very easy, right? It's like, you know, they're just little mini me's and it's, you know, they're aggressive and they like to play hockey and they like to kickbox and, you know, it's, it's basically just me all over again. So they keep you in shape. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, man. Without those kids, I think I'd be 50, 60 pounds heavier. Easy. That's right. My granddaughters do this. And this guy right here. Yeah. They'll keep you for too. me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, training a dog, you know, you got to walk them like four or five times a day just yeah, to house. You know. Or they just go right. mental and they start getting the zoomies and they're like going 50 kilometers an hour in your house. That shows how happy they are when they do that. Yeah, is, that is that that happy, is it? That's one. And then the, the other reason, because I Googled it, is because it's like a burst of energy that they didn't let out during the day or so like they have this like pent up energy like you know i guess you didn't walk and we'll play with them outside enough or throw the ball it's like yeah this over energy that they gotta let out oh it's here and oof. yeah i i googled it yeah, what yeah. is the why do dogs do the zoomies i i hadn't had a dog um you know since probably or early high school so it's been like 40 years, almost 35 years for me since having a dog. Yep. Forgot just how amazing they are and how, you know, how they make you Same feel here. better. I had one growing up as yeah. a kid, family dog that my dad, you know, raised and brought home. And we all became so attached to him that I, like, you know, most of my other family members swore off, never going to get a dog again. 
Um, and yeah, this is my first dog and I don't even, Max died maybe 90, 92. Yeah. Long Sounds time. Right. Yeah. Same for me. You know, doesn't it feel so good to have a, a pup again in your house? Eh? Yeah. 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 You see this guy? Yeah. And I know, I know what's going on with him right now. Yeah. So this morning I fed him and I took him for a walk. See now Todd, this guy right here. He's been stubborn. Like he likes to sniff for a long time before he decides <laughs> to poop. You know, he's like, "Yo, I gotta take a shit," but you know, well, but I'll I take my time about it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm breaking him out of this. You know what I'm saying? So what I do now is I only walk him for like two blocks, and I'm like, "Okay, you don't want to do it? Let's go back home." See, before I would do it and let him just walk and I do it until he does it. But now I'm limiting his time. I'm like, okay, I'll walk you for like two or three blocks around, you know, grass filled area where he normally does. And he does, he's doing all that sniffing. He's doing all that sniffing. I'm like, bro, take care of your business, man. Do your business. And he just does all that sniffing. All right, let's go back home. And I'll take him back out. He'll do it again. So I'm kind of like him and I are going through like a little something right now where you see him. <laughs> Many, many struggles, dad and pups. That's cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, D, hit us. Uh, fair to say you've had a pretty incredible, you know, music career. Hit us with um, like some career highlights. Boy, man. So I remember um, one time where were, I was with Salt and Pepper, I believe Denmark. You know, Todd, I've been so many places with the young ladies. I've been to countries that I never knew existed, bro. I, I'm dead serious. Countries that I've heard their name for the first day, first time. I never knew what Rotterdam was. Right. I think the first time I heard Rotterdam is when I went there. You know, honestly, I mean, bro, I mean, we've been so many places really far up. I've been to uh Oslo, way up, way up there, you know, and then the green, yeah. yeah, I've been way up there, and also been way down Australia uh, many times. Been on it three times with the ladies. Um, and the thing is, I don't know if you know you've traveled really far outside of Canada, um, Here, but there. yeah, when you're pretty far. You could feel it. You sure. could feel it. I'm far away from home, yeah. like. I, I, I can remember looking up in the sky, being in Australia, being in New Zealand and stuff like that, and being like, whoa, D, you're far. And then when you realize you're far, you watch your step with everything you do, everything you eat, everything you drink, everywhere you go, every decision you make, because you know, you know, you, well, you feel vulnerable, you know. So that being said, so to answer your story, Africa far away from home <laughs> out there with salt and pepper um nigeria lagos um and when we went out there we had armed security with us everywhere we went 24 7 armed security with ak-47s on their back multiple four or five guys that went with us everywhere we went to the mall wherever we went they're with us so one particular night, Pep wanted to uh Peppa wanted to go to a club. And um a friend of ours, well, one of the dancers, uh, his name is Bam. We went to this club 
Um, and before even going to the club, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that the head security that was with us had said, hey, this club's kind of dangerous. So we go to the club and it was myself, some of the dancers, you know, of course, Peppa, who's a celebrity, and everyone knows that we're in the club. And um, I remember one of the dancers had wanted to go to the bathroom and he got up on his own and went to the bathroom. And I remember the head of security guard, he's like, where's Bam? And they were like, he went to the bathroom. Young Todd, he jets over to the bathroom and he go gets gets him, he brings him over to us and he reprimands him. You stay right here. I tell you, don't go anywhere. And when I say don't go anywhere, you don't go anywhere and do anything. So we're leaving the club eventually because it started getting packed and our security started getting nervous. He was like, yo, I want to leave. I'm making a decision. We're leaving. So we're leaving the club. Now we're in Lagos. We're in Nigeria. Um, and one one of the members that was with us had a an expensive chain on. And I think he had diamonds on a chain as well. So we're walking out the club. And as we're walking out, our security was with us. But the car that we came there with, a Range Rover that we came there with, wasn't outside. So we have to wait outside now and wait for the car. You get it? We have people oh. that have jury on. Yeah. We got security that's telling us, yo, don't even go to the bathroom by yourself. And we're not inside a club where there are other security. We're outside of the club where there's just the world, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so now it gets interesting. So we're waiting. And I remember a guy with a wheelchair coming up and he was really, he was saying something in their native tongue. And I remember he pointed at one of us. He said, yo, we're going to get you. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. And the guy that he pointed out was the one that had the expensive chain on. And I'm like, fuck. Like, we're like, yo, you Boy, know, it's getting real. At this moment, it was like five of us and just a security guard that was with us. Now, of course he's packing and has whatever, but Dude, I mean, you know, there's like, you know, <laughs> the mob of people. Now, the guy that that was in the wheelchair was the leader of these people. And we could tell he was the leader by the way he moved. I mean, Todd, you know, you could tell who's in charge. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So we're like, oh, shit. And lo and behold, as they started coming closer and closer to us, here comes our Range Rover. And when I say he came, it seemed like he ran people over when he came to us. That's what it seemed like. And he could have hit some people. Now, I'm telling you, this is what happened when he was coming to us. I didn't say it, but we left yet. So we get in the car, and when we get in, I remember our um, head security guard, he started banging on top of the roof of the car, go. like making a loud noise, and he was saying something in their tongue. Kind of like to spread the people that around us out, like you'll spread out or whatever. He was like, boom, 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 and saying something in the tongue. So all of us like jumped into the SUV. And I know he hit people <laughs> as he was driving away this time. I And he didn't give a damn, bro. He wow. was, oh, yeah, man. Yo, like, that scary life shit, bro. Or death shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was some scary, scary shit. So yeah, like I said, I had to give you all of that up until it, bro. It was yeah. 
man is out there and you know um there are different sections of africa that have different you know uh environments you know this particular place in lagos is really 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 rough it's really rough um which is the capital uh of africa it was really rough um and most people suggest that tourists when they come there that they do have some sort of armed security wow. uh, available to them that's insane what was there many times like was that an often occurrence like touring well, been, like you felt I, did you feel very often that your life was in jeopardy or in danger at all then i did yes 100 sure, yeah of course yeah. that story yeah but like happened more than that though Oh no, not no, not on that level. No, no, yeah. I'm not a gangster rapper. <laughs> and I don't hang with gangster rappers. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not a gangster rapper. That's crazy. No man, but that you know that was very yeah that was an interesting story and um yeah dude wow that time and yeah going to Africa how yeah we were yeah we were we were terrified bro yeah yeah I could see why. So uh, outside of music, let's get to know you a little bit here. What are some of the shittier jobs you've had over your life? Honestly speaking, Todd, like it's all lucky. And yeah, uh huh. Yeah, um, I I did have one other job. Um, early when I first started music, I was actually still at Hot ninety seven though. Mm. Doing this other job, I actually worked uh, a place called Leeches, Leeches USA. You know, like leeches, worms. Yeah, yeah. You know, doctors still use those things, bro, in operations. Really? Yeah. So I worked at a leech farm that, like, <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, we raised leeches. And I used to raise leeches and clean out their tanks. I would get new leeches coming in from the farm and everything. And I would clean them up. And yeah, it was called Leeches USA. What a crazy job. And I was doing it at the same time. I was on the hottest radio show in New York. Did you bring it up on the show much? Nah, man. Here and there? Because <laughs> I knew that was a temporary thing. I yeah. knew, you know, this is, I'm doing this right now because this is really where I'm going. I yeah. knew that. I knew yeah, that. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, what have you been binge watching lately? What I haven't been binge watching. I mean, so. Yeah, right. I'm a YouTuber. You know, as in like, not that I'm participate a lot on youtube but i like to watch most of my content on youtube yeah. you know i have hulu <laughs> i have netflix and i have everything stored in my you know to watch later and everything but i just haven't bro you know um the last Funny, thing you, you can get stuck on that uh you know rabbit hole of youtube and just like next next like just laughing and watching quick 20 30 40 second clips and and the reason why that's easy to happen is because the next that you're talking about is related to what you just liked. Right. So it's like, well, you're already interested in that. You're definitely going to be interested in this. It's not like it's something totally different. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, the, see, that's the thing. Like most social media platforms, I feel like they don't know or they, they don't get the right algorithm. Uh huh. But, but YouTube, man, they've got it dialed. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do. Uh, what else do I want to know? About? Okay, so hit us with uh, what are you reading lately? Hit us with some autobiographies. Like recommend some some good you know books about the music industry. Okay, so now when it comes to books about the music industry, um, I haven't read anything since 
the Bible, what they called this business of music that was written in the 90s. Oh. Because things have changed, Todd. TikTok is a major thing in the music business. So if you're going by old rules, how do you incorporate and include monetizing off of YouTube? Yeah. Streaming revenue. Streaming business and monetizing there as well. How do you include those things? Because these books that were written in their 80s, 90s, etc., they didn't include any of this stuff that's going on right now. So you have to revise everything. Yeah. Not only just revise because it's still being written right now. You know, things that's being all of the, these new rules. We're still in writing them right now. TikTok is how old? A few years? A few years, but I mean, TikTok is responsible for breaking so many bands now. That's my point. Right? That's like, my point. You know, locally here, I don't know if you know a band called Mother Mother. No. They Like, they blew up one song, just took off on TikTok, and suddenly, you know, they have 120,000 followers on Twitter. They have 200,000 likes on Facebook, and it's like one song just goes fucking Oh. So how do you read a book in the 90s and you know explain that how does that apply to TikTok? Right. That wasn't even invented in the 90s. Yeah, true. Know? So yeah, when it comes to those things, philosophy, now that's where <laughs> I love 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 to read and love to explore uh different uh different authors and and different meanings. Um so right now Excuse me. Right now, I've been going into like um, ancient, ancient civilization, ancient Africa. Mm. Right. And it brings me back to places that like well, Egypt was called Kemet before uh, it was called Egypt. And there's other civilizations that are pre-dynastic times like uh, like Nakata, uh, things that were recorded that are there, right there in our museums, Todd. Mm. Um, uh, the origin of, of human, the origin of man. Uh, it's definitely didn't start 2000 years ago. Um, this is a big, 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 big conversation. And it just helps. It, it, it helps me understand who I am today. I, I love you know, that you brought up uh, Egypt. Cause I kind of want to like, I, I, for me, that's one of those like, man, I have to go there. It's one of my bucket lists. I need to go there. I need to go to the, uh, the pyramids. I need to, you know, be there. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm and and I want to bring this up as in a most natural way as I possibly can. Uh, do you think aliens had anything to do with all of that stuff? So I was one hundred percent there at one time. Now I okay, and then I was maybe sixty forty not, yeah. and now I'm like maybe sixty forty yes. Um. Because humans have been here, Todd, for, I mean, millions of years, bro, you know, um, and yeah, I've, I've, I've read and, and, you know, all the, the Anunnaki, uh, the philosophy, you know, that, uh, Stitchin, uh, had written about and a lot of people talk about as well. Um, I'm actually, since you're talking about something like that. I actually just today just started watching this new series on Hulu. It started in February. I think it's on National Geographic about what's going on up top, you know, and all of these pilots that have just been complaining and saying, look, 
we see things every day. And we literally every single day, they're like, yeah, we have. They, they don't even call them UFOs anymore. They call them something phenomenon. UPAs, I think. Unidentified phenomenal, phenomenal something. You know, they don't even call it UFOs anymore. So they, yeah, yeah. Uh, they call them like some type of phenomenon at this point. Didn't they just shoot down a UFO over Alaska? Like in the last week or two? Isn't that something related to China, though? Though with the balloon and all that shit? No, I don't think so. I think they actually shot down a UFO. In Alaska? Yeah, like within the it's last possible. week or two. Because, listen, Todd, they're just not telling us, you know, everything. But, and that's the yeah, thing. That's, the, a lot that's of it the pilots are complaining about. They're like, yo, you got to tell the American public this because this is a national security now. We don't even know who's you know, driving these things and the formations and patterns that these things are doing, they're going against like 80 knots of wind. They're going against it and driving. I think the one I saw today, Todd. So, you know, we have craft that go up to 3000 miles. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. That, you know, cause the average, uh, commercial flight 300 to 400 miles per hour, you know, but we do have, you know, uh, planes that can go up to 3,000 miles an hour. Right. They clocked in these craft up to 13,000 miles an hour, bro. And then turning 90 degrees. So you've seen the same thing I've seen. That Insane. Same thing. Like how can the exact thing be yeah. like we are being watched? There's maybe even they're living among us. Yes. And with this type of technology that's going on, like how you explain, you know, I can take a picture right now of this. I could take a picture of it. And right now I could send it to someone within seconds in Japan. How do you explain that? And you know what? No one's even questioning why is this ha like, how do you explain that? If you're going to talk about certain other things that's supernatural, that's supernatural. And it's happening every day, every second. That's supernatural. I could take a photo of something and send it in the air with no wires. There's no wires. It's not like, you know, it's going through. The, there's no wires. Send it through the air, through oxygen, through the air, bro. <laughs> I know. Imagine if the world were like reliant on us to, to get to this point, we'd still be using like, you know, would not be anywhere near where we are. How do you explain that? Explain it. I don't know, man. Don't know how to. You know, and then when you look at almost every, almost every ancient civilization, there, you know, in the writings that they left us, you know, almost all of them, you have like depictions of humans pointing, you know, somewhere in the sky, you know, pointing in the sky, or you have depictions of some type of humans or some type of flying thing or something with flight you know something related to the sun you know in flight you know and almost every ancient civilization mm -hmm. you know going back to to sumer um they spoke about the sumerians again you know when you ask me what i read i mean that's the stuff i looked love to going down just a rabbit oh, hole yeah. yeah and just hours and hours yeah. and hours of it oh, years of sure. it yeah you ever, you ever get into the uh what's that guy's name is same the last name as me i think his name's james james hancock no it's his name uh, uh he's been on uh, joe rogan's podcast and, and talking about you know 
alien life form in Egypt and how, you know, within certain degrees and like how impossible it would be even with today's technology to get to these certain markers and based on certain lines on the earth and the globe and like just, I, I love that Joe shit. Podcast? Pardon me? And he's on Joe Rogan's podcast? He's been on there as a guest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder who. Um, Graham. Graham Hancock. Okay, I'm going to look him up. Yeah, look him up, man. He is, and he's also got a show. I think it's on the Discovery Channel, where he just goes around to different uh, places on Earth and uh, dissects them and kind of looks back at the history of it and uh, the implications and you know of what their culture did and how it uh, you know impacted ours present day. Right. It's very interesting, man. It's very cool. You know, Todd, when you go and get in, in inside stuff like that, it just humbles your own existence right like we are living at the perfect time again like we got so lucky you and i to be born when we were born live through no technology to fucking like do this i'm sending i'm sending you a text and it's like three seconds later you're like yeah bro i'll jump on like seconds seconds later it's crazy right and you and i remember the time when we had to go to the record store to buy a record like it's, we were talking earlier to take it home totally. to listen to, you know all the way to the beginning to end <laughs> now you just yeah. can choose pick what you want to pick it, it, it was part like you know now music is kind of almost like it's disposable let's just say it, it, it is i mean it sucks it to, to say that it is but it is but back then it was like you know you would go and go to the record store grab it grab the liner notes sit in front of mom and dad's record player, you know, put it on. First song starts playing. You're reading along, reading along to like, where was it produced? Who, who did it? Oh, it was cool. It's done. This was done in New York. This was done in Boston. That's crazy. Two different things for one album. Like what? You just said you would go to the record store. You would hang out at the record store. Totally, man. It was the place. (laughs) (laughs) It was the place, man. Especially, obviously, if you're a music nerd, right? Like, I could have stayed in a record store for like days. Well, I remember going to not just a record store. I remember going to uh, Sam Ash, which is a uh, big uh, music store here. Not record store, music store, instruments and and whatnot. Um, And as a little kid, just going and just hanging out, wanting to be around this type of stuff. Just looking at drum sets that you see in my back. Like just looking at them, like wow, just looking at the wood, it looked like furniture to me. It was just so big, and I would always just wonder and just always want these type of kits. And you know, um, you know how it is when you're you were a kid, man. You were a music uh, lover as well. You just fantasize. Oh, totally. Yeah, for me, it was uh, it was music and comic books. That so- as well. You yeah. do, eh? Well, complex is still you, my whole cage is right there behind me. You could probably that's my whole cage. That's my kiss. These are my kiss uh dolls right there. Okay. Nice, dude. Evil Knievel is right here. <laughs> nice. You know, all of us freaking old middle-aged dudes are the same. Am I right, Tom? We're all the same, man. We're of all course. The same. <laughs> yeah. So what did you grow up as a Marvel or DC guy? Marvel, totally. Yeah, same. Yeah, Spider Man. So even ask it, <laughs> Spider Man. Right, Spider-Man, I mean, X Men, Iron Man, all that shit. Avengers. Like, are you as surprised as I am 
to, to see where that world is present day. Like, dude, I, I got fucking rubbed pretty hard for reading comic books as a kid. Like, oh, you're a geek and nerd and blah, blah, blah. It's like, really? Like, all I'm doing is immersing myself in a really cool. Really? Oh, no. Everyone around me did. Really? Yeah. Everyone around me read comic books. Bro, we used to go to, like, the store, like, 7-Eleven here. Uh, Well, not here. When I grew up in New York. And we would, you know... And it's it would be it amazes me now. Think about how it increases your reading skills, bro. We would read comic books there in the store to try to read them so quickly before the guy realized that you were reading them and put them down. So we would try to read as many sure. right off the rack, like right. quick, 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 plow yeah. through. Yeah, man. Yeah, right, same. me and my boy. So uh, uh, many guys around me, we all, we all, I grew up around guys that read comics, man, did graffiti and all that. Um. Yeah, comics was a big deal for me, and still is. I've seen all of the Marvel. Uh, yeah. Every last one of them. Yeah, I mean, and I DC as well. Yeah, same, same. I, I, I still do lean more Marvel. I do love DC, but I, I you know, something about, uh, you know, Marvel for me was like, you know, a really big percentage of my life was spent to that, and like, you know, to see, you know, initially when they first started putting movies out, it wasn't. It wasn't where it is today, right? But once John Favreau got his hands on the Iron Man franchise and he started banging out those movies and setting the bar, like if you want to do a movie, better be here or don't even Iron fucking try. Like there's no point. Once it got to that point, man, now it's just like I Iron Man one was the bar. Yeah. Hundred percent. That that because before that we had those cheesy well they weren't cheesy they were good for the time the Spider Man movies sure. the Fantastic Four movies you know but, but once they that did Iron Man won, candle yeah man once that dropped it was like okay every movie now has to be this and then once uh, Captain America went to Soldier with multiple characters and like suddenly you're getting like just blockbuster after right. oh blockbuster. no was that civil war right civil war i'm thinking of captain america civil war that yeah, where, where it's right iron man and he has his team and cap has his team and yeah practically, that's practically an avenger movie yeah dude crazy right right civil it's a, it's a captain america movie but it's practically an avenger movie yeah civil which war. power would you want to have i'm always spider-man bro Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. even though I know, see, it, it, yeah, yeah, because of course he can't beat everyone, but he seems to beat everyone, but he can't. You know, it's his agility, his smarts, and whatnot. Um, Peter Parker, man, is a fascinating guy, man. You know, he has a love life. There's not a lot of a lot of superheroes that you know their entire world, like a Clark Kent. You know his everything about him. You know, like you don't know everything about Tony Stark. You don't. Right. You know, he's a philanthropist. He's a billionaire. He's, uh, you, you know, know nothing about him growing up, really. Yeah. He's a womanizer, but that's about it, really. Like, that's his like, adult life. That's sure. all his, we saw Peter Parker, man, grow up from a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. High school. We saw him grow up from a little kid in high school. We saw Clark Kent grow up. You get my point? Yeah. We yeah. saw these guys grow up from little kids. Little kids. So we know that's my point. You get my, you see what I'm saying? There's certain characters that became who they were. Wolverine. What do you know about him? You only know him from being an adult through the X-Men. Because you said X-Men, right? Sure. You don't know him prior to that. Nothing about him. 
Right. Spider-Man, you know everything about him. Right. In fact, with Wolverine, you don't really know how old he is because of his healing factor. That is you know, true. You that, know a that, bit that. of his backstory, but that's, you know, not really. And he, it's delivered with him. He's like, yo, no, I blocked all that out. You yeah. know, before the Mantium, before, no, I don't know anything. I don't even know if my name is Logan. I don't, we don't, right. you don't know that. Well, you don't know. <laughs> right? Like, he has a tag. You know, this, okay, I guess that's my name. <laughs> right? Sabertooth. Oh, we, it's not to me Fantastic Four. You know, you don't know these guys until they are, until they are adults. Yeah. There are other superheroes like, again. Yeah. And you knew him when he was a little kid. With the best. Yeah. <laughs> See, these guys, they bring you to their world. Dude, I love that you love comic books as well. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you can see him with the yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah. about him deep. <laughs> how, how about how about sports? Are you a big sports guy? Like, did you watch the Super Bowl this past weekend? Oh, of course, man. I got yeah. beat up online on my um on my Facebook page for uh, a comment I made <clears throat> about uh the Rihanna halftime show. I wrote what you say. I, I wrote that uh. I wrote Rihanna's presence is goddess. I said her aura is close to Michael Jackson's. How do you take that? I would agree. Okay. Now I got beat up because everyone was saying, oh, she doesn't perform. Her performance was this, her performance was that. And I, I'm like, I didn't say anything about her performance. Her aura, her presence, who she, just, who she is. The person walks in a room, you know, it's like, Oh, such and such, you know, they you could feel their aura, their presence. Right. And then I told the story of when I was in Vegas, Salt and Pepper, we did a residency in Vegas uh a few years ago. And it was for six months. And at that time, <clears throat> J Lo was she was doing a residency, Boys to Men. I mean, everyone everybody was coming to our show. I'll be sure, Teddy Riley, um, all the celebrities that were out in uh, Vegas, what's the uh, cop? Not Copperfield, the other one from Long Island. What's the other magician? Oh, uh, uh, not the, the guys that got mauled by the tiger. No, Sieg Siegfried and Roy. No, no, he's one guy. He's one. He's he's been in Vegas for a while. So all these people come to the show. These big celebrities. When Mike Tyson came, Todd, to the show, his aura, his presence. When I met Mike Tyson, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, yo, that's Mike Tyson. Like, and I remember Todd looking at his head and his neck and everything. Yo, that dude is way bigger than people think, Todd. He's not a little dude. I mean, dude, man. Yo, Mike Tyson's neck is bigger than my entire head. His neck. Yo, he's... <laughs> and again, I was like... You, 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 like Mike Tyson. You know, <clears throat> when Holyfield uh, beat Mike Tyson, uh, the first time they were still in, the second time after he beat Mike Tyson, you know, and they shook each other's hand, you know what Holyfield said to him? He was like, yeah, man. I won the fight, but you're Mike Tyson. Right? You kidding? He was like, he was like, but you're Mike Tyson. 
You know what I'm saying? He was like, you're bigger than me. You're bigger. Just you, you, this sure. fight, this, you're bigger than boxing. He's like, yeah, I beat you in this boxing world. He was like, you're Mike Tyson though, man. Like, you're legendary. Sure. By, by him saying that to Tyson alone, you understand what he's saying to Tyson by saying that. Are you that? kidding me, man? Like, that, that is undisputable that certain people have auras and just a presence that fills. Like, undisputed. I've been around people over my life through working at Fox. that, uh, you know, Chad Kruger, Nickelback, Tommy Lee. Like, when you meet these people, and they're fucking <laughs> bigger than life, man. You feel it, man. You feel it. You feel it. Yeah, 100%. Feel it, dude. Yeah, man. They fill up a room. Yeah. They That's fill crazy, up a man. Room. Meeting Mike Tyson. Like, yes, Mike Bro. freaking Tyson, dude. He got him so high, man. He complained <laughs> the next day. He called hey. Salt Pepper's manager the next day. It was like, yo, Jimmy, yo, DJ Boy, man. Yo, man, I don't know what he had in his weed. Yo, that motherfucker. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, I love it. He's smoking weed with Mike Tyson, dude. That shit's crazy, man. Like Snoop sm smoking with Snoop or like Willie Nelson, like Imagine larger that. than life characters. Well, I've been in some rooms that I've, I will never say their names. And I've had some, yo, I've had some rock and roll moments and been like, wow, I'm actually here with such and such yeah. as like wow i'm taking a piss next to <laughs> like yeah, right? you and i are still fans you know what i'm saying so sure certain things like me it's like dude i used to watch you or you get my point or yeah, like I'm witnessing you like yeah I've, I've, i remember one night being in a hotel room just partying with someone like they had a room full of after show and it was champagne and drinks, and I invited some friends in, and they were like, yo, D, this is some rock and roll shit. You know, and <laughs> like, all those Motley Crue stories that we've heard, of course, I didn't live that life, but watch this, Todd. Someone else I brought in to experience that looked at me, or that experience the same way I would look at the experiences I would read in Circus Magazine, you know, when it came to those guys. Yeah, like Hit Parader and, yeah, yeah. I just fucked you up by saying that, huh? He was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Fuck yeah, buddy. Circus Magazine. He's the real deal with a con. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Way before Kerrang and all that, right? Oh, yeah, man. That, that's like back in the Columbia House days. Like, hold on a second. How the fuck can you get eight records for a penny? For a penny? How? What? <laughs> a penny? <laughs> right. Remember that? Dude, man, I did that so many times. And then just, like 10 times, we got 100, 100 CDs or some shit, you know? For a penny. For a penny, man. Well, how did that happen? How did, how we were able to, how did we do that? Because you got to buy like 20 more at fucking whatever price, but then you just cancel it. Like, come find me then, we I guess. did that. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> For a penny. <laughs> <laughs> Not Pretty awesome. Little Todd. It was a penny. It was a penny, yeah. Yeah. Buy like 16 or whatever. Yeah. 
And like you had to like lick the stamp, put it down on the piece of paper. Like here's the one I want. Lip, lick it, put it down. <laughs> oh shit! Oh hey, shit! It's five o'clock. I gotta pick up my wife. Okay, man. You want to close it out or something like that? Right now, yeah, we will close it out. Yeah, I mean, you're easy to find, right? You're easy to find online. The DJ D Wiz. The DJ oh. D Wiz. Yeah, you can get me at um on Instagram. Yeah, the DJ D Wiz, brother. Instagram, Twitter. You're you're DJ D Wiz on on Facebook. That's yes. it. We have officially closed her out. Oh, man, thanks for having me, Todd. Dude, thank, thank you for coming the on. Podcast, podcast, everybody, check it out. <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify at Toddcast Podcast.